Hi everybody, it's Sarah Benincasa. Welcome to Well, This Isn't Normal, the podcast where we talk about dealing with all of this. This is a podcast that began in March 2020, and at first it was every weekday, because, you know, we needed something to entertain us while we went through the, oh, I don't know, eight weeks of lockdown. And then, you know, maybe I would, I figured, oh, maybe I would go to um, a once a week schedule and maybe uh, six months later, the the pandemic would be over and everything would be back to normal. And uh, maybe I'd conclude the podcast. (laughs) If you're new here, let me just be clear. This is not a pandemic themed podcast. (laughs) What it is, is a podcast about stress relief and... At first, it was very much tied to dealing with the the strangeness of where we found ourselves as a as a country, as a society, as much of the world in early 2020. And now, November 2022, um, I, I mean, the hits keep on coming, but... Um, think that we are in a very different place than we were back then. So I used to do this stress relief podcast, as I said, once a weekday. And uh, then it became once a week. And then it became once a month. And I took a couple months off, actually, recently. So I'm back and happy to be back and happy to be here talking to all of you. Things have changed. I was sick for much of October, so my voice would not have really been great if I were trying to do it in October. But various things have changed in my own life, and I'm sure in your lives over the past few years. And by the way, if you hear a thumping, that would be my cat's tail. I think she is indicating that she doesn't love me focusing on something that's not her. I'm also in a room that's not soundproof. I live in a little place in Brooklyn, New York City. And so sometimes you'll hear street noises and things like that. This is a very bare bones podcast and I like it that way. Sometimes I'll throw the intro music in there. Sometimes I'll have a guest. Uh, And I enjoy that because I love talking to other people. And in fact, in the beginning, I would do interviews because it was a way to keep up with my friends and actually to make new friends and to talk about some of the things that were happening in the world at that time. And I talked to everybody from, oh my gosh, actors, directors, writers, um, young black scientist activists um, who were part of the the black as fuck, <laughs> the hashtag black AF in STEM movement. Oh my gosh, who else? I mean, there were a lot of different people doing a lot of different things. Uh, psychics, I think. Uh, there, I, I don't even remember. But so I've done different podcasts over the years. I did one years ago called In the Casa with Sarah Ben and Casa. I co-created and co-hosted a podcast with um, Marcus Parks called Sex and Other Human Activities, which was on a cave comedy radio network, which doesn't exist anymore, which was out of the 
Creek in the cave. I think the podcast is still going. Um, and um, I've had a serious XM show for a couple of years that I co-hosted and produced. So I've done different things in the world of audio storytelling. And if you're interested in a couple of my audiobooks, they are out in the world. One is Agora Fabulous, Dispatches from My Bedroom, which is a memoir about dealing with um, agoraphobia and suicide and the healing power of comedy. And the other one is called DC Trip, and that's a novel I wrote years ago. Um, My other books are called Real Artists Have Day Jobs and Great. And I'm I'm outlining a new book, which is nuts to think about, because uh, it's been a while since I published a book. Had to get sober and um, write a lot of essays and articles and shorter form stuff. And um, so now here we are today. So hello, hello to new listeners, hello to old listeners. I'm glad you're here. And if you're looking for me elsewhere, I'm not on Twitter, but I'm at Sarah J. Benincasa on Instagram. And I have a Substack newsletter called Serotonin. It's also on Patreon. Uh, If you become a patron, you get um, the Serotonin newsletter four times a month, and you get four episodes of a private podcast called The Audio Letter. So that's patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa. If you just want... The newsletter that is Sarah J. Benincasa.substack.com. All right, today's episode is about anger, which is a subject that <sighs> I feel I have no authority to talk about. But then I consider it and I think, well, who does? There are anger experts in this world, but it's okay that I'm not a psychologist specializing in anger research. That's all right, because I'm a human being who gets angry, and so are you. So, um, I'm a sober person. And a sober friend of mine recommended this book called How to Fight by the late, great Thich Nhat Hanh, was a Vietnamese monk who um, became a refugee and was this world-renowned spiritual teacher and peace activist and who eventually created the Plum Village community in France, which is still thriving today, and um, was an extraordinary person and befriended the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, among various world leaders, and was a dedicated anti-war, pro-peace activist. And he also brought so many mindfulness practices to the West. Now, there are a lot of other teachers from various countries in Asia, various cultures in Asia, who brought forms of mindfulness practice to the West in general and to the United States in particular. And of course, there are also... Bye, Polly! (laughs) That was um, my cat jumping away. She said I've had enough of this. But anyway, there are, of course, contemplative traditions in, I think, 
all spiritual traditions in all faith groups and they vary um so Thich Nhat Hanh happened to be a Buddhist teacher and monk and activist and um Obviously, there are a lot of factions within Buddhism. That is not a monolith. But he um, really did some incredible, incredible work. And um, there's this book from Parallax Press, which is the publishing division of Plum Village Community of Engaged Buddhism, Incorporated. Um, And so I wanted to just read you a little bit of this book in the hopes that it might sort of serve as a thought starter as we talk about about anger today. So here we go. Opening the door. Never in human history have we had so many means of communication. Television, radio, telephone, fax, email, the internet, Yet we remain islands with little real communication between us. When we cannot communicate, we suffer, and we spill our suffering on to other people. We can find ways to open the doors of communication again. I don't know about you, but sometimes I do feel like an island. In that Simon and Garfunkel, I am a rock, I am an island type of way. And I, I have my books and my poetry to protect me and all that jazz. And, um, but, but that for me is because I, I, I always think, oh, well, it's, it's because I live alone. It's because I don't have a lover. Ugh, that voice, ugh, ugh, that word is so gross. I don't have a partner. I don't have a spouse right now. And um, most of my friends don't live in the city where I live. So sometimes I think, oh, well, that's why. And it's always interesting to reflect that, no, there are a lot of people, probably people who live in big, noisy families, who are have jobs where they're working with other people face-to-face all the time, and, and they might feel like islands as well. Okay, back to this book, How to Fight, by Thich Nhat Hanh. Where the fight begins. When someone says something unkind to you, you may want to retaliate right away. That is where the fight begins. This habitual way of reacting creates a well-worn pathway in your brain. When you travel a neural pathway over and over again, it becomes a habit. Oof, that hits. And I love that he was writing and talking about, you know, about biochemistry too. That he was talking about the brain you know that feeling some people call it that sticky feeling some people call it that heated feeling that feeling some people call it getting triggered when when somebody does or says something and it just hits the place inside you where there's a tenderness there's a a preparation to be angry that rage place and i find that i am likelier with my own family than with any other converse that's not the word I was going to say conversant conversationalist let's just say than with any other conversation partners I am more likely to jump in and cut them off without actually listening to what they have to say so sometimes 
I assume they're going to say one thing and focus on one thing, and they're actually going in a totally different direction. Again, when you travel a neural pathway over and over again, it becomes a habit. Very often that pathway leads to anger, fear, or craving. One millisecond is enough for you to arrive at the same destination. Anger and a desire, a desire to punish the person who has dared to make you suffer. The mind and the brain are plastic in nature. You can change your mind, your brain, and the way you think and feel. With practice, you can create new neural pathways that lead to understanding, compassion, love, and forgiveness. Mindfulness and insight can intervene, redirecting you down a new neural pathway. When I think of the teachers who have been of great assistance to me in this regard, I think of Tara Brock, I think, of course, of Thich Nhat Hanh, I think of His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama. There are a lot of different people who become popular educators, and I, I love that. I love popular educators, people who may very well teach in the classroom, but who also take that teaching, or, or in the, the, um, the Sangha, I think, the, the beloved community, right? Because there's the Dharma, the Sangha, and the... I'm blanking right now, but the point is... <laughs> I'm thinking of the different, the different aspects of, of Buddhism. Um, and of course, I'm blanking. But um, there are people who teach within, say, the church. They teach within the synagogue, the mosque. They teach within the Buddhist community. They teach within the rooms of 12-step groups. They, uh, they, they may not be called a teacher. Um, they may have different titles, but, but they educate. And they may not be elevated above the other members of the community. It may be that they all help each other out. But then when these people go into the wider world and teach, it's really wonderful. And so I think of, like, Adam Conover, who I personally really like and professionally think is great. Adam, as a comedian, as an activist, does a lot of education around myth-busting and around how things work. Um, I would say that Trevor Noah, as a comedian and the host of The Daily Show, uh, I think he's not done quite yet, although he'll be done soon, uh, how he's done a lot of education around that stuff. And the other the other correspondents on that show do the same thing. I think about what Jenna Friedman does with her work, uh, comedian, um, former Daily Show producer, and then also she has her own show. I think about Baritone Thurston, a friend of mine whom I adore to the ends of the earth and back, who does popular education. Bill Nye is a great example. Carl Sagan was a great example. These are um, people who are entertaining, fascinating, interesting, uh, compelling in the way that they deliver information. And they may not be called educators or teachers, but they are. They're doing this public service, even as they're hopefully getting paid lots of money for it. Um, and of course, some of the, the spiritual leaders who do that, who are uh, ethical and transparent and not corrupt, which I believe Thich Nhat Hanh was one of the sort of ideal versions of that, the, the money they earn goes not 
to increase their personal wealth, uh, although they certainly, I hope, have comfortable places, have and have had comfortable places to live, um, but goes back into the faith community um, in, in which they dwell, right? And then obviously, if you're looking at like a Bill Nye or Adam or whatever, like they're, they're not nonprofit people. Like I hope they have great houses. Uh, so <laughs> whatever works for them. My point is that I think it's really fantastic when people take different concepts that might be really mysterious to the outside world and break them down in a way that's easy to understand or easier to access. Okay, back to this book by Thich Nhat Hanh, which I hope you buy. It's called How to Fight. It's really um, small. This was, it was $9.95 US dollars. Um, and because it's Parallax Press, that is a part of the um, aforementioned community plum village that he began, where there are people who live full-time and there are also people who go and visit to hear talks and they do a lot of work with teaching kids mindfulness and helping families and couples who go there I mean I think it's really it sounds great I would love to visit one day I think there might be a few of them too I think there might be a few in France I'm not sure anyway okay a pause suppose someone just said something unpleasant to you their words and the sound of their voice give you an unpleasant feeling you believe they are trying to make you suffer. Of course you feel the desire to react, to say something back. You feel that if you can express your anger, if you can make them suffer, you will get relief. But mindfulness can help us pause for a moment and become aware of the anger building up in us. Stopping gives us a chance to acknowledge and to transform our anger. When we feel anger, irritation, or indignation arising in us, we pause. We stop and come back to our breathing straight away. We do not say or do anything when we are inhabited by this kind of energy, so we don't escalate the conflict. We wait until we're calm again. Being able to pause is the greatest gift. It gives us the opportunity to bring more love and compassion into the world rather than more anger and suffering. Remember when I said um, <laughs> just a few moments ago that I'm more inclined to like jump at my parents or my family when they say something that hits a spot inside me? Whereas if I were just sitting and talking to you or to another stranger, or you might be a friend of mine, high friends of mine, I would probably be more likely to like take the pause before reacting. I call that the sacred pause. I don't remember who I first heard call it that. I think maybe it was Tara Brock. I'm not sure. But um, taking that sacred pause, sacred pause before reacting is really good because it doesn't mean that I'm not going to react. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to say, fuck you. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to disagree. It also is not bullshit spiritual bypassing. It's not going, okay, I'm going to take this deep breath. <sighs> I just feel so full of peace. I don't let anything bother me anymore. My life is just so chill and better that way. And then, you know, then comes what? 
acting out on someone else, then comes the heart trouble, then comes the irritable bowel trouble, then comes all the different ways that the anger will come out. The anger I've repressed through some bullshit performance of feeling okay. The sacred pause doesn't put me in that place. What the sacred pause does is it makes me go, okay, Let my shoulders drop a little. Let me just take one beat before responding. Do I really want to say fuck you to this person who I know I'm going to have to see tomorrow? And that would make it awkward for future me. And it would make it awkward for our friends and family who will be around us, people I care about, people I respect. Or do I say, that really pisses me off and I just don't agree with you. Let's table this and talk about it in a couple days. And I can say it in a real nasty tone of voice. I can say it in a real chill tone of voice. I can say it however I want to. And then I can walk away. And even if they're shouting after me, I can just walk away. You know, the latter option is probably better. Now, saying fuck you might be the right thing to do. Or saying the other thing might be the right thing to do. Or saying... I'm going to ask you to repeat that might be the right thing to do. Who knows? But at least when I take the sacred pause, I realize I have options. I'm not just immediately going off. I realize I have options and options are a good thing. I'm working on an essay um, that I want to submit to Modern Love at the New York Times. And it's about dating in in a sense and but one of the things that came up in the course of writing it was thinking about anger and how my mother will sometimes get so angry that she will just leave the house and go for a drive until she cools off and when I was younger I was frightened because I thought she wasn't coming back because it was not explained to me what she was doing So I thought she was abandoning us, that she was leaving us, and that she wouldn't come back. And that's really sad to think about in retrospect, because that created a lot of fear and some different issues. But but I see now, and I've talked to her about it, I understand now that she was, and when she does it now is, protecting others from her unloading It's really her way of taking a sacred pause. And I actually respect it a lot now. I actually think it's a really good idea and I appreciate it now because it's recognizing that somebody needs to just remove themselves from the situation. Sometimes counting to 10 or taking a walk around the block is not enough. Sometimes you gotta go for a drive, hop on a bus, ride the subway for no reason other than the, just the rhythm of the train can soothe you. You know, you, you got to do that sometimes and that's okay. And so I think that 
that's a strategy that that I would offer as potentially being quite helpful like if you really feel like you're overloaded yeah you can go scream into a pillow that's another strategy that can help you can punch a pillow that can help too you can go I mean gosh in a dream world I go work out and do my cardio and oh my gosh my muscles look amazing and I'm so strong because I'm punching a punching bag a literal punching bag or I'm doing kickboxing or something super impressive that I think is super impressive but um, letting it move through you doing something physical not punching somebody unless you're you need to defend yourself but even the the physical act of walking out to the car, getting in the car, starting the car, and driving, and don't drive angry, as we learned from Groundhog Day, a fine film. But, um, you know, just the physical act, that does something. If, if you need to write about it, typing is good, because that moves your fingers. But I find that when I'm angry and I need to write about something, sometimes it's actually handwriting, if that's available to you, if you're able to do that, handwriting, and in a way where you can really just fuck up the page, man, like, don't worry about the lines on the page, I love having unlined journals, so that I can just draw and do whatever the hell I want, painting uh, in some sort of rage-like way, that can be an option too, the idea is not to heal from your anger or get rid of your anger. It's to integrate the anger. It's to take, I think of it as fuel. It's fuel that can be converted into other stuff. And there's nothing wrong with being angry. There's nothing wrong with being angry, with being sad. There's nothing wrong inherently with wanting to punch somebody. There's nothing wrong inherently with wanting to die. I've been suicidal many times in my life. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what we do with it. It's what we do with it. The feeling, the urge that comes up, it's not inherently wrong, but it's what we do with it. It's, 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 do we look at it and just act on it rashly? That can have terrible consequences for us and other people around us instead if we can cool off or warm up depending depending on what what temperature metaphor we're using here if we can be with the feelings if we can find a way to safely contain them which may involve going for a walk going for a fucking long ass walk or hiding in your bed and physically rocking back and forth as if you were rocking a baby. I've done that plenty of times. Then it's taking that sacred pause and the sacred pause can involve the physical movement or it can be utter silence and utter stillness, whatever works for you. That's when we can sort of feel into the feeling. You know, I was focusing on anger, but there are these other difficult feelings that come up and see what's underneath it. Maybe it's hurt, maybe it's fear. You don't have to sit there and psychoanalyze yourself. This is, I'm talking about feelings. And if you don't feel safe with the feelings that you have, put yourself among people or in a situation where you feel safer. And at that point it can be, for example, um, you know, the Trevor Project, 
has been extraordinarily busy in the wake of the, the murders at Club Q in Colorado. Um, and why? Because a lot of people in the community they serve are scared and frightened and sad and upset. So they have counselors who will work on the phone or through chat. And so this brings me such, it sounds odd to say joy in my heart, but joy and relief in my heart that there are services out there like that. And for you, it simply may be texting a friend, talking to a friend, um, calling a therapist, putting yourself in the emergency room if need be. I've done that. I've done all the things I'm talking about. I haven't, I haven't gone through the Trevor Project ever, but I've certainly supported their work in different ways. And I would go through them if I felt I needed to. Because that's the people who reach out, you know, for help. I'm not as worried about them. And, and if you become one of those people who reaches out because you're just so angry that all the Thich Nhat Hanh writing and listening to, well, this isn't normal and going for a jog and punching a pillow and the world can't help you just feel so overwhelmed and you need to talk to a, a therapist, that I, I'm proud of you if you do that. I don't think, oh my gosh, they're really fucked up. No, you're doing that because you want to process the feelings and not hurt yourself or anybody else. I think that's beautiful. And I will relate it back to that anecdote about my mom. My mom getting so mad. You know, she she didn't beat us. Um, she didn't beat my dad. She didn't want to say vicious things that can hurt as much or worse than, than being pummeled. Um, so she, now that doesn't mean she was like a perfect or never said any of those things or you know what I mean but but she would take herself out of the situation when she felt overwhelmed and go for a drive or, or go for a long walk that's a good thing those are good things so if you find yourself in a position where you're you know at at a holiday gathering or you're at home alone not at a holiday gathering and you want to pick up the phone and unleash fury on some family members or you're in a work situation and you cannot stand this fucking asshole who constantly criticizes everything you do for no fucking reason other than that they want to make themselves feel better or whatever. You know, there's a million different examples I could come up with here. If you make an excuse that you need to run to the door, uh, you know, presuming you work from home, uh, if suddenly you're... Wi-Fi goes out, I'm putting quotes there, if, if you um, pause and say, you know, I'd like to do a separate call to talk about this more. If you um, cancel an appointment because you need to just, not, I, not an important medical appointment, I want you to go to those, but you know, you cancel like a hair appointment or something and you feel bad and you're like, listen... I'll, you know, I'll pay you for the missed appointment. I just got to deal with some shit. And you just need to, like, walk around and scream in the middle of a forest. Uh, if you live near a screaming forest, good for you. And if you need to call for extra help or you need to seek extra help, that's okay. You're not crazy. If your instinct is, if your instinct is, um, I, these feelings are too much. I feel overwhelmed. I need help. 
uh, I'm going to ask for help. That's like the least crazy thing I've ever heard of. That's awesome. And that includes if you're having hallucinations, auditory, visual, otherwise, you're experiencing things that make you feel like you're on another planet and that your brain is making its own drugs and you do not like the trip your brain is taking you on, that's okay too. To ask for help is such a good thing in those situations. There are people in my life who I wish would ask for help. I look back at my younger self and I just wish sometimes she had asked for help more and other times I'm proud of her for asking for help when she did and I guess what I would impart to you is that if you're feeling a lot of anger or feeling overwhelmed at this time of year or whenever you're listening to this whenever this this travels through time and space to get to you um, if it's in a few years or a few months or whenever it is, that I, I really hope that you take time to take a deep breath. We can do it right now together. Let's let's do it right now. And it will inhale through the nose for again. If this is available to you right now, I know a lot of people are dealing with res- respiratory illnesses. So um, taking a deep breath might not be possible. You might start coughing or whatever. I don't want you to do that. But you can, you can. Um, in those cases, what I say usually is that if it's available to you with your fingers or toes, you can like tap out the count with us. Because what we're going to do is inhale for four, hold for five, and then exhale through the mouth for six. Okay. So let's just practice doing that. Four, five, six. I picked it randomly. Let's go for it. Ready? Inhale. Hold. Two, three, four, five. Four, five, six. Now breathe normally. Ah, that feels kind of different, right? Imagine if you were super pissed and you did that quietly, whether you were around people um, or you excused yourself, went to the bathroom and did that or just, you know, walked out behind the shed. I don't know why I imagined there was a a shed in this rage example, but um, imagine if you did that. Maybe it would keep you from hitting somebody in the face. That's cool. Let's do it again. Four, five, six. Ready? Inhale. Hold. Two, three, four, five. Three, four, five, six. Push it a little more. So if you're looking for resources on dealing with anger, um, there is, of course, Thich Nhat Hanh's How to Fight. It's a little book. I'm so glad that my sober friend recommended it to me. 
And uh, I'll read you this little moment, Parallax, this little moment, Parallax Press. Parallax Press, a nonprofit publisher founded by Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, publishes books and media on the art of mindful living and engaged Buddhism. So Buddhism that is engaged in the world um, and that involves service in the world. We are committed to offering teachings that help transform suffering and injustice. Our aspiration is to contribute to collective insight and awakening bringing about a more joyful, healthy, and compassionate society. And how fantastic to say that I think they fucking have done that. Like, and they continue to do that. Oh, they've also got 10 mindfulness practice centers around the world. Um, here are just a few of them. Uh, Plum Village in France. Magnolia Grove Monastery in Batesville, um, Mississippi. Is that what that is? I think. European Institute of Applied Buddhism in Germany. Deer Park Monastery in Escondido, California. Blue Cliff Monastery in Pine Bush, New York. And Thailand Plum Village in uh, Nakhon Ratashima in Thailand. How beautiful. One of the, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, let's conclude actually with, with this. I haven't read this this section of the book yet but this is call of, called uh, taking care of oneself is taking care of each other the buddha told a story of an acrobatic master and his pupil they went to the market every day to give a performance the man held a bamboo pole and the little girl climbed very high up the bamboo pole one day the master said my child let us take good care of each other I'll take care of you and you take care of me and that way we can both be safe and stay alive while we perform and earn our living. The young girl replied, but master, I see it differently. I think that if I take good care of myself and you take good care of yourself, then we'll both be safe, able to support each other and to continue making a living. The little girl understood the true nature of interbeing. There is no discrimination, no separation. When you take good care of yourself, you are taking care of the other person. Looking after ourselves means looking after others. How do we look after ourselves? By practicing mindfulness, by knowing what is going on in our body and mind. We bring our mind home to our body and establish ourselves firmly in the present moment. We bring our awareness to our breathing and relax our body. Taking care of our strong emotions and learning to recognize our wrong perceptions, we discover the roots of our suffering. How do we take care of others? When you go to work, drive carefully. That's the way to take care of your daughter, your son, your partner. You will amaze yourself. You will find that by taking care of yourself, by healing the wounds in yourself, you begin to heal the wounds in the other person. The other person will be able to see your transformation. You know, I asked my dad recently if in four years of being sober, my four-year birthday was November 25th. So I said, in four years of being sober, I said, you know, I've noticed some changes in myself. And of course, I was fishing for a compliment um, and said, um, what, what, have you noticed changes in me? And my dad said, well, I'd say there's still some room for improvement, like when you didn't have your registration in your car the other day, and and I said, Dad, 
I understand there's always room for improvement, but I asked you if you've seen any improvements in me over the last four years. And you know, this is an example of like, we shouldn't look to other people to give us when we fish for compliments, you might just pull like an old shoe out of the pond, you know, like why, why was I, why was I looking to this man, my father, to give me what I know already, which is that my life has changed in positive ways. And it's one day at a time for me in terms of the program that I work and um, sometimes one hour at a time. And so why was I, but you know, we all sometimes want the approval of parents, right? And so my dad thought and he said, I'd say you're calmer. And I said, thank you. And you know, I I didn't really need to ask him that because I already knew that. But I said, I am more likely to take up a pause before reacting. And I think that's why it feels like I'm calmer. And um, my cat just jumped up again, by the way. Just FYI, keeping you abreast of the situation here in La Casa Benincasa. And um, I still get agitated. I still have all of the human things, what Zorba the Greek called uh, the full catastrophe, although he was referring to having a wife and kids and a farm, and I don't have those things. (laughs) But but human life... um, you know, I'm sure Thich Nhat Hanh had his stressors. He wrote about them. He talked about them. Um, he certainly had many physical challenges by the end of his life. But I do think that mindfulness meditation can help. And just taking that sacred pause, taking that deep breath, whether you whether you pause and you you do in for four, hold for five, out for six, or you tap that out on you know, on your knee, or you, um, in your head, recite a verse from a favorite poem or something like that. Anything to kind of insert that moment between trigger and reaction. It's very useful, and I don't always practice it, but it is something that has helped me a lot in my life, and so I I don't like conflict. It scares me. I don't like anger. It scares me. I I get frightened and I, I go into a shell and I go someplace inside and go very quiet and I go and hide and then I get very tired. This is a pattern I've had for a long time. But this whole thing about taking that sacred pause sometimes means that I don't hide so quickly and that I can sit with it and not block it out as much. And that I might even be able to engage. And that I might even sometimes be able to say, hey, yeah, that hurt my feelings. Which is a huge deal for me to be able to say. It's tough. I, it doesn't, I, don't, I don't do that easily. So whether, um, whether you struggle with uh, unloading on others or you struggle with keeping it all too much inside, I think that sacred pause can be really helpful. Well, I wish you the best. It's been lovely chatting with you. I will talk to you again in December 2022, if not before. 
who knows? Maybe I'll do an extra episode. Maybe I won't. But if you want to hear um, more of me babbling at you, um, more of me chatting to you, I do have a weekly private podcast called The Audio Letter, which is available only to patrons at patreon.com slash sarahbenincasa. You can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, And if you would like to just, and, and you'll also get the serotonin newsletter each week. If you're not interested in the private podcast, but simply want to get the newsletter each week, you can go to sarahjbenincasa.substack.com and sign up there. It's absolutely free, although paid subscribers get um, more. They get more stuff. They get a private essay from me each week. And, um, yeah, if you want to know other stuff about me, instagram.com slash sarahjbenincasa or sarahbenincasa.com. That's a website. Anyway. Uh, I wish you the absolute best, and I hope you're doing well, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.